Guys, good to be with you on a Monday afternoon. Thank you kindly for joining us. My name is Jerry Miller. We're live in our downtown studio, the Macklin Building, our building, on a network that has quickly become the water cooler of conversation for Charlottesville, Almoral County, and Central Virginia. Look at the headlines for what we'll talk about today. A murder in downtown Charlottesville over the weekend by Tent Town. What we know about the murder, we will relay live on air. City Manager Sam Sanders has a press conference today. Um, Sam Sanders, if you remember Friday's show, we broke this news on Friday. Sam Sanders, uh, the city manager of Charlottesville, is putting the uh, curfew for Market Street Park, Tent Town, back in play. Sam's got a lot of items on his plate. I'm curious at the press conference today if Sam Sanders not only talks about why he put the curfew back in play for Tent Town, but maybe offer some details or perspective on a murder that happened over the weekend. I'm curious to see if Sam Sanders says, I made a mistake lifting the curfew, I shouldn't have done it, and that's why I you know, walked this plan back very quickly. So we'll talk about that on today's show. I want to talk pro-Renata, love pro-Renata. Dr. John Shabe and his team joined us on the program about a month ago, but Stanton City Council approved a rezoning for 709 North Augusta Street, 70 vote, Pro Renata um, has got some special things happening in downtown Stanton. I want to compare and contrast downtown Stanton with its hospitality and welcomeability for entrepreneurs and developers and folks trying to bring businesses to market with Albemarle County on today's show. A lot to cover on the program, including breaking news from Johnny Ornalis. Johnny Ornalis, um, one of the owners of Guadalajara, one of the owners of El Mariachi and Zion's Crossroads, he's bringing to market Judah Wickhauer, Mexicale on West Main Street in the Old World of Beer location. Big time news on this program. J-Dubs, if you can check my personal Facebook page and make sure we're streaming there, please, sir. Um, a lot we're going to cover. Viewers and listeners, you are encouraged to offer perspective on the show. Chime in with thoughts, ideas, commentary. Help shape the conversation on the Monday edition of the I Love Seville show that's being streamed across every social platform and archived on social platforms um, everywhere. Deep Throat has got a, a headline on today's program. He sent some charts some data to us comparing Charlottesville City home values to Albemarle County. Albemarle County continues to outperform Charlottesville City from a home value standpoint. We'll talk about that on the I Love Seville show. We're good with that, Paige? That's uh, coming on. Yep. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Judah. Um, excellent work. And I want to talk Ginny Hu's take. Ginny Hu is one of our favorite viewers and listeners on Twitter. She offered some perspective as a homeschooling mom to three of why she identifies with Dr. Meg Bryce, the candidate for the at-large seat um, on the Admiral County School Board. So much to cover on the show. Judah, let's uh, welcome you on a two-shot, if we could. Um, I think the lead of the program should be what happened over the weekend. We know very little. We know very little. Charlottesville City and Charlottesville Police releasing very little on this. This is what we know so far. A man was murdered 
and the 200th block of downtown Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. The 200th block of downtown Charlottesville is basically right next to Tent Town. Yeah. Charlottesville police are asking folks in a very clustered geographical area, including our building, the Macklin building, to check your cameras that are facing out of your building toward the street. So if you are in the following areas, the 100 to 500th block of East Market Street, the 100 to 500th block of East Jefferson Street, the 100 to 500th block of East High Street, and the 200th block of 3rd Street Northeast, and the 200th block of 4th Street Northwest, the police is asking us to check our cameras. We're literally right in the middle of that. The man who was murdered, they've released his name, a 48-year-old Daniel O'Brien... He was transported to the UVA Medical Center at 2.59 a.m. on Saturday, October 14th. He died. He succumbed to a gunshot wound at the UVA Medical Center. The police believe that this is not a random act of violence that was in the release. They also said in the release there is, there is no reason to believe there is a threat to the general public at this time and that this was not a random act of violence. Where the murder happened next to Tent Town has many in the community speculating or linking or associating the murder with Tent Town. I would caution those making that leap we don't know that information yet. In fact, very little has been released in this case so far. Yep. I am not yet going to make the leap that Tent Town and this murder are linked besides, besides the geographical nature of where the murder took place. Right. <clears throat> I want you to offer some perspective here. The fact that the police is looking for such, for looking for buildings on East Market Street, East Jefferson Street, East High Street, 3rd Street, and 4th Street, asking us building owners to look at cameras that are pointing outward, leads me to believe the following, and this is strictly conjecture at this point, that either somebody was tracked or hunted, or they were looking for the man that, or woman, that pulled the trigger before or after the shooting took place. Yeah. Is that how you interpret this? Yeah, definitely. It sounds like either the uh, whatever happened came from came from this direction or the uh, or the perpetrator ended up leaving in this direction and they want to uh, they want a good I I'm pretty sure they probably want a good timeline of events. Um, what happened before, what happened after, especially if they don't have direct video footage of the actual act. That's how I interpret it as well. Let's create a flipbook or a timeline of events of what happened. Yeah. Exactly how I look at it. You said it perfectly. Optics. Where do you want to go on the optics of this? I mean, I think you're 
100% correct in the fact that we shouldn't jump to conclusions about people in the park having anything to do with this. I mean, they have been there for, uh, what, a couple weeks now? I, Probably about a month. I think we would have seen a lot more. If, if there was somebody running around there with a gun who was willing to, uh, to murder someone, I, I think we would have seen something happen in the park. Um, and... We have heard in previous weeks, maybe less than two weeks, that there was a stabbing associated with Tent Town. Yeah, that's true. But that, a stabbing is a far cry from murdering someone. I give you that. Still criminal behavior nevertheless. Yeah. Sam Sanders has got a extremely... I mean, how do you characterize this press conference? On Friday of last week, this past Friday... You and I break the news about Sam Sanders returning the curfew to Market Street Park. The curfew will recommence as of 11 p.m. on October 21st. So that is five days from now. Yeah. It also coincides with the early opening of the Patcham shelter. Mm -hmm. So there was some planning there. Let's open up the Patcham shelter early. Yeah, and it sounds like the new, uh, at least... Eight new beds, was it eight, for, eight each, male and female, for, uh, for um, Salvation Army? It sounds like they might have those on, uh, you know, not online, but ready to go now. So that may have, I'm sure that may have played a part in that as well. We're looking at roughly 108, 108, 108 beds for houseless individuals amongst Patcham and the Salvation Army. The homeless count is over 300. That's a significant amount of people without shelter. I woke up this morning and it was 37 degrees in Keswick. And that's just, that's just starting. So we have a hell of a lot of stuff coinciding at exactly the same time right now. We got a city manager who is brand new, who lifted a curfew at a park and turned it into a campground. And immediately... 40-plus tents emerged at the park. That is a campground. The Almore Historical Society across 2nd Street from the park, on its dime, put two porter potties in a back alley between the Historical Society and the library to help alleviate the bathroom problem it was experiencing on its grounds for those living in Tent Town. Possibly. We know a stabbing took place that was in a previous press release in the Tent Town vicinity, and now a murder takes place in the Tent Town vicinity. We are not rushing judgment by saying the murder is directly associated with Tent Town, except for the fact that this is where the gunshot body was found. That's the extent of it. And police are asking those in the downtown vicinity, including this building, to check its cameras to help it create a timeline of events of what could have happened in the 2.59 a.m. Saturday, October 14th time range. This is a hell of a lot of stuff right here. And it all coincides with Sam Sanders hosting a press conference today, the city manager, a press conference that he thought was strictly going to be about Tent Town and the uh, curfew reinstatement. Mm-hmm. 
If you're, if you're local media, I think you have to ask about the murder. And I think it's a fair question, don't you? Yeah. That's a fair question. You agree? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I can't imagine a journalist not asking a question. Okay. Exactly. I think if you're the local media, you ask the question, did the Friends of Seville cameras that were installed by the nonprofit on the downtown mall catch any of this? We broke that news about Friends of Seville, the nonprofit, the 501c3, installing cameras on the downtown mall. Have they already done that? They were installed as of a week and change ago. Hmm. I mean, what the heck, right? And this is all coinciding with an area that we love dearly, not having the best... Uh, The best image... Downtown right now. Is that fair? Yeah. Downtown's having an optics problem right now. Vanessa Parkhill, welcome to the program. Roger Voisinet, welcome to the program. Carly Wagner says, there was also an armed robbery at the Hispanic food market on Greenbrier Drive on Saturday morning. I saw that, Carly Wagner. Hmm. The unfortunate nature of that armed robbery at the Hispanic food market on Greenbrier Drive, the suspects they're looking for are Hispanic. So I wonder if that's some inside information there. I said this in a a thread that I was on, and I'm going to relay it to you. This is literally what I relayed to Deep Throat as we were corresponding this morning in DM capacity. Are you ready for this? Mm hmm. Sam Sanders, the newly minted city manager. I want to read verbatim because I'm, I'm, I'm curious of your take. If the murder is tied to Tent Town, Sam Sanders has a serious problem. Then I responded, if the murder is tied to downtown mall in subcapacity, Sam Sanders also has a serious problem. Your take on those statements. I'm curious how you think that it would be related to the downtown mall, though. 2.59 in the morning on a Saturday. Bars closed. I mean, are you trying to say that maybe there, there'll be an outcry and people will ask to close the bars earlier? No, I don't think that. I, I think it's one of... I th- okay, I'm, I'm just going to try to be use some, some judgment here. Here are what I think could be the options. I think it's either tied at the timing of 2.59 a.m. It tied to a brouhaha that may have started at one of the watering holes or bars downtown. Mm-hmm. And that brouhaha, after last call and the bars closed, potentially spilled out onto the streets. I think that's one scenario or option. Mm-hmm. I think a second scenario, and we would be stupid not to consider this, is it's potentially tied to Tent Town. Okay. I think a third scenario, I mean, do you understand, ladies and gentlemen, how brazen this is? This literally happened two blocks away from the Charlottesville Police Department. Yeah. But, really. What do you mean, really? Well, it's you don't so- think it's brazen? Two blocks from the Charlottesville Police headquarters? <clears throat> yeah, but it's not like there are police going in and out of the police station all times of day and night. It's not like... 
20 cops are going to come running just because you're two blocks away from the police station. I would hope that the police department and the headquarters of the police department would put or instill some kind of sensibility or fear into criminals. Do you really think that they think that far ahead? I mean, most of these types of uh, crimes are notably crimes of passion. Uh, I wouldn't say this is a crime of passion. I mean, somebody was shot. You don't just shoot someone. I, I mean, it's possible that it was premeditated and somebody carried out the act following the guy to the 200 block of Market Street. But uh, I think it's far more likely that, like you said, there was something that happened, some interaction that spilled out of either a bar. I think another option might be there are uh, there are some... Uh, there's a place across from the library on, is it 3rd Street? Uh, there's a, a greenery, so to speak, like a private uh, smoking club. Okay. I mean, it could just as easily have, uh, have spilled out of there um, over, over drugs. I mean, we honestly don't know. We don't know. But the fact of the matter is that it's unlikely that somebody, you know, in planning a murder, decided to do it a few blocks away from the police department. It's more likely that, you know, like we said, it spilled out of some other conflict. And Is that your primary hunch? Because that's my primary hunch. Yeah. It spilled out from something that was happening on the downtown mall. Yeah. Most likely. I mean, it doesn't really have to necessarily have to be on the downtown mall, but... Carly Wagner says, most of the shootings locally have been gang and or drug-related most lately. No? A lot of them have. Carly Wagner, 100% right. Twitter is blowing up right now. Let's go to Dylan's rule. He says, Jerry and Judah, this has been a colossal failure on the part of the city manager. There's just no other way around this. And my comment does not even take into account the homicide from Friday, Saturday morning. Just the entire situation, not trusting not trusting his police department, lifting the curfew, creating a tent town, and reimposing the curfew in a month is a colossal failure. Sandra Jones, welcome to the program. Ginny Hu, welcome to the program. Ginny Hu, we'll talk about your take on homeschooling parents and why they identify with Dr. Meg Bryce in the at-large race for the Admiral County School Board. Blake Mayo, welcome to the program. Multiple media outlets watching the show, literally live as we speak right now. I mean, a lot of this has been brought on by the CEO of the city. It has been, it has been stated, whether or not you believe this. That it's not tied to that the comments de- made before city council by an activist? That his decision was not... Uh, and you believe that? I didn't say that. But do I you was, believe it? You're a voice just, of reason. I was just pointing out the fact. Uh, I don't know that I believe it. I, I find it hard to believe that it came. His decision came hard on uh, you know somebody uh, bringing up the uh, the kicking, the alleged kicking in the park. Um, it seems to me, I my take is that it was a knee jerk reaction and it was related to. Uh, uh, to what was said in in the city council meeting. Yes, but but that's uh, that's you know 
armchair quarterbacking. Okay, armchair quarterbacking is part of this. Carol Thorpe yeah. says this. Do we find it at all curious that we have heard nothing about the victim and perpetrator involved in the prior stabbing at or around Market Street Park? Carol Thorpe, the Queen of Jack Jewett, says this. Has anyone in the media followed up with a question as to the status of these individuals? Carol Thorpe of Jack Jewett District says, what time is Sam Sanders' press conference today? I got another question. Carol Thorpe, those are all damn good questions. Those are all excellent questions. I think this is another point of emphasis we need to make. We got a boatload of people watching the program right now. And this is another point that we need to make. Mm-hmm. Why have we heard now over 48 hours removed? Now, let me get my time right. Sunday? Yeah, over 48 hours removed. We're nearly 60 hours removed from this murder in Charlottesville. Was it? Was 2.59 it a.m. Saturday morning. Sa- okay, Saturday morning. Gotcha. Nearly 60 hours removed. Why have we heard so little about the murder? It could be that they're... Don't not. have the information and still compiling the, in, the data. Or it could be they're searching for someone and they don't want to tip them off. Right. I'm, I honestly don't know. The reason I bring that up is because there's been fantastic communication in past crimes of this ilk. And that's one of the things the community has rallied around the department with its transparency and its communication. Right? Mm-hmm. Or I, I'm not jumping to conclusions. I think Judah makes a good point. It's an active investigation, and they're not trying to tip their hand as they hunt for an alleged murderer. But the reason I bring this up is because it happened in the heart of Charlottesville two and a half blocks away from the police department, right next to all the courthouses, and it's next to a tent town that has gained regional, if not national, exposure. And the longer we don't have the information, the more the cloud of conspiracy gains momentum. The F. Follow-up question to Carol Thorpe. Johnny Ornalis, we'll get to your breaking news with the new restaurant coming to West Main Street here in a matter of moments in the old world of Beer Spot. Here's a follow-up question for you, Carol Thorpe. Will the press conference actually happen today? Does Mr. Sanders choose not to have the press conference because of this? Or does he limit the press conference at the beginning of the conference and say, the only topics we're going to talk about today are Tent Town and the new, and the curfew reinstatement? Does he preface the press conference, does he start the press conference by saying, I'm not going to talk about the murder? I'm on the Charlottesville government Facebook page, and there is no mention on the Charlottesville government Facebook page of Mr. Sanders' press conference. No, who, what, when, where, why of Mr. Sanders' press conference right now. Interesting. Do you find that odd? Yeah, you would think a press conference would be... Plenty of heads up. It's one o'clock here, four hours before close of business. Yeah, you think it would... Do you think they'd show it somewhere? 
Uh, normally with press conferences of this magnitude, you are alerting the community, in particular the media, of the who, what, when, where, and why. Yeah. That has not happened yet on the Charlottesville government Facebook page. It's primary medium of com communication for the community. Maybe they don't want anyone there and they just want to make a statement and... Then that's not a press conference. Yeah, not really. That's a statement from the city manager, which is the antithesis of what he said was going to happen on Friday afternoon when he said there was going to be a press conference. There's a city council meeting tonight. The city council meeting tonight just got significantly more dynamic, did it not? Quite possibly. Can you imagine what the councilors are thinking about right now? They went into a meeting thinking they were going to be talking about upzoning and planning and hearing from a city manager on a curfew reinstatement. Now five people are going to head to the dais and they're going to come under the crossfire from the community of a downtown murder and escalating gun violence in the city. You disagree on that statement? You don't think there's escalating gun violence in the city? I'm willing to listen to learn. I mean, how, do you, how are you characterizing this as an escalation? There was another one? That's how? If there's another one, when isn't was, that an escalation? When was the last, when was the last shooting? I, I mean, you can't say there was a shooting last year and there was one this year. There's so been more there's than one escalation. shooting. There's been more than one shooting. There was... An escalation is usually like when the, when the Clantons and the, when the, who is it, the Hatfields and the McCoys, you know, start firing across the, uh, the property line, and uh, pretty soon they're, you know, taking things up a notch. Uh, Viewers and listeners, do you agree with Judah Wickhauer <laughs> there with that statement? I don't see this as, a, as an escalation. Viewers and listeners, do you agree with that statement from Judah Wickhauer? This was an, it, it seems like an even if it wasn't an isolated event, when was the last I, I'm not sure how you could characterize this as an, as an escalation. It just doesn't Your thoughts on that, Carol Thorpe, Carly Wagner, Jason Howard, Brian Yagel. Your thoughts on that, viewers and listeners that are watching this fine and fair talk show like Logan Wells Claylo, Vanessa Parkhill. The local media watching the program, Brian Yeagle says this, another wild week in Charlottesville, a murder, an attempted kidnapping, tent town, and he asked if we were able to see anything on the Macklin building cameras. We are literally working on that now. Literally as we speak, we are working on that information for you. Our building is, how close are we to the police department? Half a block. Even? Half a block? It depends on, yeah, yeah. Half a block away? Half a block. I'd say half a block is fair. I'd say it's half a block to a little bit more, maybe. Depends on your definition of block. Is it the city manager's responsibility to, I, to get in front of this or to offer communication? Or does uh, the city manager take a backseat and say, this is Chief Cotchis's lane and I'm going to stay out of it? I think he's definitely got to... Uh, I believe he's definitely got to be in contact with Chief Cautious and running on whatever Chief Cautious thinks is appropriate in this situation. 100,000% agree with that. 100,000%. One of the reasons we have identified with Chief Cautious 
is because of his transparency, his communication, his accountability, and his localized, humanized, personalized approach. From his first day on the job, he has said, we are going to over-communicate with you guys to the point of him actually showing police officer body cam footage to refute what he called a disgusting statement an activist made before city council when it, come, when it came to kicking a homeless man in tent town. Yeah, he is engaged with the community, which I think is... Uh, commendable. Very commendable. Dude, I cannot keep up with the comments right now. They're coming in so fast. Let's go to Jason Howard. Didn't the curfew period pretty much overlap with the, with the last week of nice weather on the downtown mall before it gets cold? That's rough on restaurateurs and other businesses, business owners on the mall. I will highlight this. The curfew reinstatement coincided with Patcham opening its shelters earlier. Yep. So that tells us there was a plan in place. Get Patcham open and put the curfew in the park. Reinstate the curfew. Is that how you read it? Yeah. I, I don't think he was... After the, after the, the fact, after the initial... Uh, the initial... Eat, uh, edict, um, I'm sure he was scrambling and in talks with people at, uh, at Patcham and people at, at the, um, the Salvation Army and anywhere else that uh, they thought they could uh, find beds. In fact, I believe in the past Patcham has used hotels. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that he was, I'm sure that he was in, uh, in conversation with, with people to get this figured out. Deep Throat watching the program. Deep Throat's a data guy. Safe to say that, right? I think so, yeah. Probably. Absolutely a data guy. That's what he uses for a living, data. He says, Judah, on the city open data portal, I see four homicides in 2023 so far. And that, per capita, puts Charlottesville slightly above Los Angeles. Above Los Angeles? That still doesn't make an escalation. I, I appreciate the information, and uh, and it's obviously not great, but I don't think any of the. I don't think any of that leads to uh, to us thinking that there's an escalation in gun violence in Charlottesville. Carly Wagner says, "I think they reported this was the sixth murder this year." I think Seville typically around eight-ish. With that sample size, there doesn't seem to be statistically significant uptick in homicides. I don't have the figures for general gun violence, however. Carol Thorpe, if Sam Sanders is going to have a presser, he better hop on it because the early early portion of the city council meeting convenes at 4 p.m. today. Carol Thorpe, who follows local government as closely as anyone I know, says, to answer your question, if Sam Sanders has a presser at all, I doubt he will address Saturday's murder. He has to coordinate with Chief Cautious on anything having to do with open investigations. I am surprised he is having a presser at all, rather than just choosing to address the public during his allotted time during tonight's city council meeting, as he did two weeks ago. Dylan's rule on Twitter. Jerry, it would be interesting to see a FOIA request for documents referencing Patchum after the curfew was lifted. Would it show a panicked effort to get Patchum open sooner? He's got a second tweet coming in. That was the first tweet. Deep Throat, 
He says, correction. No, he does not. He says, FBI UCR stats show zero homicides in 2021, Judah. Give me this in a nutshell again here, Deep Throat. Give me that stat in one bubble again if you could. I'm not sure where the 2022 is associated with that comment. Give that to me in one bubble if you could. uh, Dylan's rule says this. Let's not forget that at the last city council meeting, all five of the councilors said they supported lifting the curfew. Something to think about. Got it. In 2020, Judah, 2020, there were four homicides. In 2021, Judah, there were zero. In 2022, there were two homicides. In 2023, there have been four homicides. I'll give that, so that is an escalation. In 2020, four homicides. I mean, you, you, you smirk, but we're smirking about murder here. But you're calling it an escalation, like there's, like there's I, some... I would say any increase when it comes to murder is pause for concern. I'll give the data again. I'm not trying to, you offer your take. 2020, four homicides. 2021, zero. 2022, two. And in 2023 so far, four. A 2x over 2022, according to the data. I mean, that's statistics. So I'm trying to turn that into a, uh, into a mission statement or a, uh, you know, a, a thesis I think is uh, you'd want you'd want a lot more of that data and information on each one of the the murders before I would uh, characterize it as as an escalation. It I, as it stands now, I think it's just a statistical, you know. I don't know what the word is, but uh, it's a... Anomaly? No, it's just... Aberration? A, it's just a, a Something to ignore? It's just a st- statistical spread of information. Juan Sarmiento says an increase, yes, an escalation, no. He agrees with Judah Wickhauer. Yeah. Grayson says this in North Downtown. You're telling me the murders have 2x year over year, and you're not calling it an escalation, Judah. But there were four... It just shows you data can be interpreted any way we look at the data. That's why I wouldn't call it an escalation, because it's just data. And without more of that data, it's, it's too easy to paint whatever picture you want to paint. Lies, damn lies, and statistics. A phrase described about the persuasive power of statistics to bolster weaker arguments. Yeah. We should show the home values that Deep Throat sent us. Show the charts. Let me get those up. I try not to out this guy or dox this guy who routinely comments on the show and makes it better, but this dude is a smart MFer, and I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not doxing him. I'm not revealing any identity. The reason I get all this information is because my word is my bond. You guys know this. This guy is a smart MFer, and I'm going to leave it at that. He sends me this morning two charts about county, Albemarle County values compared to Charlottesville City values. If you could put the first chart up first. Give me just a second. And then we'll look at the second chart as it pertains to single family houses. The first chart 
is all kinds of housing stock. And this is from the Zillow Home Value Index. Albemarle County versus Charlottesville City. The first chart, give me a thumbs up when that's on screen. The show is on freaking fire right now. I'm trying to get to all your comments, viewers and listeners. Give me a thumbs up when that's green. This is the first chart. Zillow Home Value Index, the orange line on screen, the top line is Almoral County. Look at how it's outpacing Charlottesville City. This is all housing stock. County values continue to pound Charlottesville City home values. Show us the second chart, Judah Wickhauer. First, go to us on a, go to me on a one shot with the headlines, and then we'll go back to the second chart here. We're gonna put a, go. Am I on a one shot? Look at the headlines for what we're talking about. Now, show the second chart for single family housing only. Single family housing only. County, pounding, city, when it comes to values. Lonnie Murray, welcome to the program. Kristen Smith, welcome to the program. Holly Foster, Katie Porrell, Katie Pearl, Georgia Gilmer, Scott Thorpe, the commercial broker, Queen of Ivy, Kate Schartz, are you back in Ivy, Queen of Ivy? Are you still on that fantastic vacation with great people? Olivia Branch, welcome to the program. Heather Walker, Johnson Village, Kyle Miller, Sarah Hill Buchensky, Bellamy Brown, Bob Yarborough, David Donovan, Neil Williamson. I got eight states watching us on the program right now. I have to ask you this question. Put us on a two-shot. Mm -hmm. You look at all housing stock and you look at single-family housing stock and you compare Albemarle County to Charlottesville City. And Albemarle County values are outpacing Charlottesville City values. You saw the data right there. When do we start attributing this to crime? When do I start attributing it to crime? Um, I would need someone like um, Anonymous to, uh, to give me a, an extremely uh, persuasive argument as to, uh, as to how this is directly connected to crime. This man can do this. Deep Throat, you should do this. Anonymous and Deep Throat are the same person. I would love to see a value chart for Albemarle County and Charlottesville City cross-reference with a crime chart on the same screen. When do we attribute the county pounding the city with home values to an uptick in crime in the city? Or do we say it's the Robert Liberty silver buckshot, not silver bullet, it's upzoning, it's crime, it's school performance, it's politics on council, and maybe previous council regimes, not naming any names, I think you guys know what I'm talking about. It's infrastructure and traffic, 
or are those cop-outs that really it is crime? These are all fair questions, ladies and gentlemen. They are fair questions. I, I tend to believe that there's a lot more involved in, uh, in, most, in situations like, not just situations like this, but you can't, you can't just take one particular stat and point to that unless there is a clear and irrefutable uh, connection. Um, Viewers and listeners, your take on this topic. Carly Wagner, I'm looking at you. Carol Thorpe, I'm looking at you. Tim Carson, I'm looking at you. Bob Yarborough, I'm looking at you. Sandra Holbrook, I'm looking at you. Bill McChesney, James Watson, Kevin Higgins, John Snow, Chad Wood, Lonnie Murray, Aaron King, valued viewers and listeners. Dylan's Rule, Ginny Hu, I'm looking at you. Would you say crime is not good for home values? Um. I think that's safe to say. Would you say that's safe to say? It's very safe to say. That's safe to say, right? Yeah. Judah got a genuine chuckle out of that right there. Love when Judah chuckles. When do we get in front of this? How do we get in front of this? What needs to happen? Are we at the point of a private security team? On the eight blocks we call downtown Charlottesville. Would they have prevented what happened over the weekend? I don't know. I don't have that answer. I've seen it elsewhere. I would say the yellow shirt ambassadors that are walking around the corner of the downtown mall, who some of them appear to be not in the best, best athletic shape, aren't making an impact. Have you seen the yellow shirted ambassadors? Most of the times they're goofing off on their cell phones and not really doing any ambassading. Is that a word? Ambassadating. <laughs> uh. Neil Williamson sharing a link from the Daily Progress. Unfortunately, I, and I love the Daily Progress and I love the news that it reports. I am not logged in on this computer to my Daily Progress account, so I cannot read it. I should, uh, I'm getting a paywall on this. I'm only logged in on my phone. I would love to read this. He says, a headline from the past, Almoral homicide rate since 2017. Can you give me the lead, Neil Williamson, on that so I can mention it live on air? We do have breaking news for you about a new restaurant coming to West Main Street in the old world of Beer Spot. We'll get to that in a matter of moments. Johnny Ornalis behind that restaurant. Fantastic entrepreneur. We got breaking news on Pro Renata. Pro Renata late last week, ladies and gentlemen. The town of Stanton just doing amazing things. Stanton City Council. Put me on a one-shot, then we'll weave you in the mix. Stanton City Council approved a rezoning of 709 North Augusta Street Thursday evening. Timmy Hartless and Rodney Rhodes, the zoning administrators, get props from the Pro Renata team. The Pro Renata team appreciates the neighbors who have supported the project and want to see the building revitalized. Pro Renata will become a big-time 
driver of economic activity in downtown Stanton. I'm going to ask you this question. This is a very fair question. Are you ready for this, viewers and listeners? Downtown Stanton is going through a massive revitalization. It's going to have a key attraction in Pro Renata in downtown Stanton. Downtown Stanton has charm, it has intimacy, it has safety, it has affordability, certainly affordability compared to Charlottesville City and Almaro County. Will we see economic activity migrate to downtown Stanton for safety, for affordability reasons, labor available in downtown Stanton? Why is labor available in downtown Stanton and in the Stanton Augusta area? Because it's affordable. Because said labor can afford to live there. Have we seen more competition for downtown Charlottesville in a long time than we do right now? I'll ask you that question again. And I'll weave you in on a two-shot. Viewers and listeners, this is a fair question for you. Neil Williamson, I'm going to get to that lead from Tyler Hamill on the Daily Progress from December 5th, 2020, in a matter of moments. Thank you for sharing the lead. I'm not logged in on this computer from my Daily Progress account, so I just got a paywall. Here's the question I have for you. Viewers and listeners, I have this question for you. Have we seen the most competition for downtown Charlottesville right now than we have seen in a generation? I've been here, damn, Deep Throat just put a chart together on crime for us. Nice. Jesus. <laughs> it's, in my, it's in my DMs. You've got to get that chart so I can put on screen. This is what we asked them to do. You are the man. I'm going to ask this question. I've been here 23 years. Have we seen more competition for downtown Charlottesville than we do right now? I'll highlight Stanton and the emergence of downtown. I will highlight Waynesboro and the emergence of that city. Yeah, my friends were just telling me about a... Waynesboro is so cool, dude. They were just telling me about a cool uh, event they went to over the weekend where they got to see all kinds of pottery and, uh, and crafts and art. And, I mean, I'm like... Waynesboro? That sounds amazing. Waynesboro in 2023 is what Belmont was in, 20, 2020, in, in uh, 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. Belmont has been gentrified where it's now white rich people. Belmont at one time used to be hipster charm. I lived there in 2005, 6, 7, 8. Now it's not hipster charm. Waynesboro is hipster charm. And if you haven't been to Basic City Brewing, you're missing a damn good brewery. Have you ever been there? Yeah, I have. Basic City is the bomb, dude. Yeah, it's a great place. Games, stuff to do, live mm-hmm. music, a kitchen, food, massive, they, parking. Last time I was there, they had, uh, they had park, park benches inside where you could sit and watch the, uh, watch the bands play. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got in trouble because Liza had uh, had climbed up on the uh, on the the tabletop. Oh, very nice! And was sitting there watching the band. But it's it is a great place. Great Deep beer. Throat says going over the mountain here is going to turn out like people who crossed the East River in Brooklyn from Manhattan in the late 1990s. 
Brooklyn at one time was a place you didn't go. Now Brooklyn, you ever been to Brooklyn now? You've been to Park Slope? My wife and I took a trip. We stayed in Brooklyn. It's all rich families pushing $500 and $600 strollers around, utilizing the green space. Brooklyn is completely different than what Brooklyn used to be. Brooklyn is, is wealthy. Belmont became, Belmont and Hogwaller and Woolen Mills became so gentrified and is now the epicenter of city wealth, much like North Downtown, that it has gone from hipster charm to yuppie. And that gentrification trend has sent and jettisoned the hipster charm to Waynesboro. And I'll ask you this question yet again. Has downtown Charlottesville seen more competition or headwinds now than in the last 23 years? I've been here since 2000 when I came here as a first year at the University of Virginia. Crozet's popping. Ivy Road is about to get salvage brewing across from the Boar's Head. Ivy Road is becoming a, a nice little spot, a nice little pocket. Stonefield wasn't here right. in 2020. Stonefield's a nice little pocket. Fifth Street Station wasn't here in 2000, 23 years ago. Neither was Stonefield. I'm asking you this question. I've been in this town for 23 years, and I do not see the downtown mall having more competition in those 23 years than I do right now. Stonefield, Fifth Street Station, Ivy Road, downtown Stanton, Waynesboro. Keswick is becoming a, a nice little pocket of beer and booze and wine. Another one just opened in Keswick. The town of Gordonsville is red hot. Have you been in downtown Gordonsville anytime soon? That place is baller as, as duck. Quack, quack, quack. The town of Gordonsville is awesome. Cool. Sam Sanders got his work cut out for him. No doubt. You show the deep throat chart? Not yet. We asked, he delivers. Seville City versus Albemarle County violent crime count. I asked you a direct question, viewers and listeners. Are home values in the city lagging home values in the county because of crime? Here is 2012 to 2022. That's 10 years of data, Judah. Here it is. He's got it on screen. This is cur courtesy of a very smart man. You got it on screen? Yep. Look at the screen. Violent crime in the city versus Albemarle County. I would say the city, from a violent crime standpoint, is crushing Almoral County from a violent crime standpoint. And that's not a good crush. Now, I want you to compare and contrast that with the first chart of home values, not just single-family housing, but home values in totality. You asked for this, and he delivered you to... Yeah. Tell us when the home value chart is on screen. There it is. The home value chart is on screen. Look at the screen. Almoral County crushing Charlottesville City and home values. Almoral County's crime rate, especially violent, way lower. 
Causation means that changes in one variable brings about changes in the other. There is a cause and effect relationship between variables. The two variables are correlated with each other and there is also a casual link between them. A correlation doesn't imply causation, but causation always implies correlation. You guys do your own interpretation of the data. I want to get to the breaking news of the new restaurant on West Main Street. This is from Real Talk This Morning and the talented entrepreneur Johnny Ornalis. I'm excited for this before we play the clip. Oh, yeah. No doubt. It sounds amazing. Keep going. Uh, I mean, I don't want to give too much away before we put the uh, video on, but uh, uh, if, if you've never had a fresh, hot tortilla, uh, they are out of this world. We went to, uh, went to Mexico when I was younger, and one of, the, one of the highlights was waking up on a beach to uh, someone hawking freshly made tortillas that you could buy for like, you know. A penny? Handful for, I don't remember how much it was. I know the churros were, uh, uh, it was a dozen for 50 cents. We're back at the uh, skating rink in Los Angeles. They were, I think, a buck for one. And they weren't half as good. I'm really excited for this. I'm excited for, uh, for Johnny and, and his and his team. You're about to hear from the entrepreneur himself. This is the gentleman behind Guadalajara on Fontaine Avenue. This is one of the gentlemen behind El Mariachi and Zion's Crossroads with his brother Steve and their father. Johnny Ornalis now venturing on his own. He's got minority partner in River Hawkins, the mixologist from the Bebedero. River Hawkins is bona fide. Mm -hmm. He's going to help him put together a mad bar, I'm sure. No doubt. And the world of beer spot on West Main Street with one of the best outdoor patios and a $10,000 tortilla maker in tow. Mexicali, the name of the restaurant. Judy, you got that sound. Yep. Let's play that sound in three. Let's play that sound in two. Let's play that sound right now. Timestamp here, Judy yeah, Wickhouse. So, so we, we, we have, well, I have uh, a new endeavor that I have taken. Um, Guad has been uh, my life here in, in, uh, in Charlottesville uh, through my parents and, and family members. And uh, Mariachi was a step, you know, into that next, next part of our life as family, you know, parents and brothers. And now it feels like I can take this next step. Uh, we are going to be opening a new restaurant in uh, West Main Street, uh, uh, right at the Flats building. And... Uh, this one's actually going to be more, more me. So I'm going to touch more on what, who I am and what I like and what Charlottesville's turned me into as well. So we're going to, uh, this one's going to be uh, Mexicali, um, and we're going to do a California-style-based restaurant, California and international. Um, as we know here in Charlottesville, there's a large amount of people and we got friends from Venezuela, Honduras, Salvador, 
and then we also have our local friends. So this one's going to be more of a community restaurant as well. So we're going to, I'm going to dig down and do our, you know, our tacos, more traditional California-style items that we do. Um, and then I also have a great person that has joined me is uh, River Hawkins. So he is going to be a big person that's going to be let loose. We'll see how far. But let loose. <laughs> I love you, River. Uh, uh, and uh, he's going to help us with the bar and the uh, decor. So, um, and then as far as community base, I have talked and I feel that, you know, Charlottesville has helped us with the community and the people around us, just like Keith and Jerry and how Virgil and Candace are starting to try to help us out here. And uh, so I have pulled different contacts here. Uh, uh, the family with Arepas on Wheels is going to be joining us doing a, a certain dish that we're going to be able to uh, provide at the restaurant that's going to be coming from them. Um, I've talked to Vision Barbecue to have some items that they can bring in and we can use at the restaurant. Dino's Pizza, Inca Grill. Um, I've got other people in line. So I want to bring those businesses and incorporate them into my business and showcase them in my business, not just take the credit for it. And I feel that that way we can draw our community together and have a successful restaurant and also you know, have the community have a taste of everything that we can do in that location. That's breaking news right there on Real Talk with Keith Smith. Johnny Ornelas um, just broke news. He's opening in the old World of Beer location. Uh, Mexicali, the name of the restaurant. A California-style and international-style restaurant. Um, it's going to have traditional California-style ta uh, tacos. River Hawkins of the Bebedero is yep. going to be involved with the bar scene. He has one of the best outdoor patios in the city oh, of Charlottesville. Yeah. He has tents. I'll say, I'll conservatively put it this way, thousands of foot traffic potential patrons within spitting distance of this restaurant. He's going to be making his own tacos that he's going to outsource for purchase to not only other restaurants, yeah. but customers can purchase these tacos. And you should put in perspective, because we've had this conversation over a cocktail at Vivaci. Put in perspective the making of the tacos and what goes into this, the equipment that you're yeah. buying here. Yeah, so uh, that's uh, one thing I left out. So we are going to be making our own tortillas there on site. Yeah, um, tortillas. We're, we're going to be having a, I'm purchasing a tortilla machine, which the purpose of it is going to be to make it for the restaurant. But I also want to do like your fresh daily tortilla. I want to integrate it with some of these local restaurants. There's a, there's a niche for it here. And it's not just local restaurants, it's everybody. So if you want to have a, a, you know, a party at your house and you want hot tortillas, you know, eventually you're going to be able to get it through Grubhub, DoorDash, or any of those sites. You order it, it comes in in a, in a container, it's going to be hot, you don't have to do anything else to it. You can go through and do your function at your house or your, or your wedding or anything. So we want to be able to deliver to some of these local restaurants that want that item to either integrate or use it as their new item for their restaurants. And uh, we hope that that part of the business will bring the community together and will actually expand and help the restaurant um, succeed. So I know two things. Yes. One, I'm going to eat really, really well. <laughs> and two, I'm going to have a really good cocktail. Yep. Uh, after that, you had me. <laughs> so
Let's break in news from Real Talk with Keith Smith this morning on the I Love Seville Network with Johnny Garnalis opening a restaurant at the World of Beer location. This is going to crush it. Yeah. He's got a fantastic outdoor seating, outdoor patio. Mm-hmm. He's going to do California style meets international style. He's going to champion other restaurateurs and feature their cuisine in his restaurant. Yeah, Arepas on Wheels, another great, uh, another great restaurant. He mentioned Arepas on Wheels. He mentioned Dino's. Yeah. With what Dino's does well. Yeah. He's getting a ten, he's bought a ten thousand mm-hmm. dollar tortilla maker mm-hmm. to make fresh tortillas daily. Oh yeah. He's got arguably one of the top bar keeps in the area in River Hawkins as his visionary behind the bar. Yep. I don't know if he'll stay behind the bar, but he'll definitely set the bar up for, there you his, go. for success. Set the bar up for success, absolutely. He said he was going to keep a third of the 80-some taps that are at World of Beer right now. Yeah, that's impressive, even, <laughs> even that many. Even that many. We're talking 20-some taps. Yeah. That's massive. That is. We got thousands of students in walking distance. Mm -hmm. We highlighted the fact that there's 50 parking spaces in the building at ground level under the building. Parking is prevalent. It's a myth that there's no parking there. Get over that myth. Parking exists there. It's going to crush. I'm so happy for the success of his family. Sincerely mean that. Get the comments here. Coming in faster than I can keep up. I'm looking for Neil's comment. Neil says, does anyone want to know why Judah Wickhauer woke up on a beach? (laughs) Were you wearing clothes, Judah Wickhauer? I believe I was. You were wearing clothes. That's good. 99.9% certain that I was wearing clothes when I woke up. You were a what what percentage? Uh, I I, I was wearing clothes when I woke up. You were wearing clothes? Yes. Okay. And a couple of times where I've... Just leave it at that. Yeah. I was also 10. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) A couple of times for me where I was much older. It doesn't fall under the PG-13 rating of the show. (laughs) Uh, Neil Williamson says this. This is from the December 5th, 2020 Daily Progress article, The Byline, Tyler Hamill. As homicides in Almora County reached their highest rate since 2017, a recent spate of homicides in Charlottesville has meant 2020 matches the, the city's 2019 rate. According to Abby Stumpf, spokesperson for Almora County Police Department, the department has investigated six homicides and one attempted homicide in 2020. Of the six homicides, four are considered domestic incidents and four have happened since October. Here's a question for you. Did you say 2020? Yeah. It's Amaro County. I'm not trying to marginalize any, any homicide by any capacity. I am not marginalizing homicides. Mm-hmm. The domestic homicides versus the homicides that happened on the downtown mall or somewhere in the city. I think the community would take the domestic homicides versus the ones that are happening on the streets of Charlottesville, randomly. You think they'd take them better? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Is that a safe statement? Yeah. I'm, we rarely hear about the domestic homicides or the domestic 
disputes. The domestic form. homicides do not breed the level of concern amongst the community as gun violence on the streets. Whether warranted or not. Whether warranted or not. Excellent caveat. Fantastic caveat from you. Thank you for that caveat. John Blair says, I would not necessarily consider Stanton and Harrisonburg direct competitors to Charlottesville due to distance. However, Waynesboro is a direct and rising competitor to Charlottesville. You and Judah are correct. Ten years ago, you'd see a lot of Waynesboro and Charlottesville over the weekend as as people spent a lot of time in the city. Now, a Saturday night in Waynesboro has some full restaurants and a nice little art scene. Those dollars aren't going over the mountain like they were in years past. I will respond to that comment. I think it's an excellent one. How I see Stanton and and Harrisonburg competing with the city is for labor. The city and the county have become financially unaffordable for many frontline workers, nurses, police, fire, rescue, waiters, Mm -hmm. waitresses, janitors, line cooks, back of the house staff. Mm -hmm. And as the affordability, affordability issues continue to persist in the city and the county, this population of workers will migrate elsewhere for a living. And that's how Stanton and Harrisonburg become competition for Charlottesville City. I'm sure some already, I'm sure some did during the pandemic. thousand percent. I'm sure some probably actually lived there to begin with and then were told to stay home and uh, what are you going to do? thousand percent. Find a job. John also says, I'm very happy for Mr. Ornalis. Good luck with the new restaurant. I think we all are. Mm -hmm. Randy O'Neill watching the program. We're going to save Ginny Hu's comment for tomorrow. This was Ginny Hu's tweet. I Make sure I bring this up tomorrow. Please. And I want, this will give you, Judah, some time to digest it. She sent us three tweets after watching the replay of Friday's show 14 hours ago. So these are her tweets in response to the show we did this past Friday that was on fire. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. You said, to Judah's point, mentions you, to Judah's point, we all have freedom of speech, but that does not mean there aren't consequences for that speech. You are welcome to spout hateful rhetoric. Employers then have the right to not hire you. I was thinking something along those lines myself in uh, replaying that uh, discussion. This was in response to the activists who spoke before city council and made a claim that a police officer kicked a black homeless man in Market Street Park to wake him up before the curfew was lifted. She also made the claim that said police officer chose not to remove white homeless people from the park. Yeah. After, you, go ahead. After further review of the body cam footage, which Chief Conscious played at his press conference, he said those claims were meritless and he called them disgusting. Go ahead and then I'll give you what I want you to think about for tomorrow's program in regards to parents of homeschool kids and why they are identifying with Dr. Bryce. Your thoughts first. I was going to say that you were uh, you were 100% correct in that, you know, 
freedom of speech. She has the right to say whatever she wants to say. Uh, but I was likening it in my mind to somebody calling a school, calling a school, and uh, and calling it a bomb threat. I don't think it's the same comparison. But the fact of the matter is that you're. It, it isn't the same thing. But a bomb threat is against the law. Okay. Speaking before council meeting and issue and, and, and offering your perspective before council, whether right, wrong, or misinterpreted, is not comparable to calling it a bomb threat. When it, uh, you, you're going to compare it to a bomb threat no. because a bomb threat initiates police action, police infrastructure, and police resources. And what she did before city council initiated police action police infrastructure, and police resources. So that's why you're making your comparison. I see some similarities, but I don't think they're identical. They're not identical, and I'm not saying that they're identical, but they do have some, uh, some commonalities. And I think um, what I appreciate about Ginny Hu's statement is that I believe that there... I, I think that maybe there should be consequences for something like this. I mean, do we really think that, that... How can there be consequences if people can call into city council meeting and give abhorrent, nasty, terrible props to Adolf Hitler? Because that is straight-up freedom of speech. But causing the police to take action... But she didn't cause the police to take action. Oh, right. She, I'm sure she didn't think they were going to do anything about it. Come on. I don't think she thought they were going to do anything about it. But we don't know we're not her. Right. We have no idea. It's an interesting topic for sure, though. Yeah. And I see it in some ways tying in with uh, uh, Ziana Bryant and, uh, and Morgan Bettinger and what happened with UVA. Uh, yes, you can say anything you want. But when you ruin someone's life or cause, uh, you know, cause the police to, to spend time and resources, especially in a city like Charlottesville where we're currently undermanned, there should, you know, maybe she honestly did think that. And, you know, we, we can't... I'm, did she misinterpret it? Yeah. We can't, uh, you know, we can't punish people for trying to do what they think is right. But, um, I don't know, this uh, kind of smacks of, you know, trying to Boy get... Boy, who cried wolf? Yeah, trying to get the police in trouble. Oh, 100% smacks of that. It 1,000% smacks of that. She 1,000% was doing that. 1,000% agree with you. And that's Bush League. But unfortunately, Bush League covered under freedom of speech. A bomb threat is not covered under freedom of speech. Fair enough. Look at what Jason Howard just sent us via DM. Can you get that video, that commercial? The Allison Spillman commercial that is depicting Meg Bryce. I mean, I... What Allison Spillman is doing with her campaign, with the mudslinging and attacking of Meg Bryce is the dirtiest of the dirt I've ever seen. I'll take that back. Not the dirtiest of dirt I've ever seen. It's the dirtiest of dirt that I've seen in a school board race. No doubt. 
the dirtiest of dirt I've seen in a school board race. That's me being very direct. Can you play that video? Can you get that video to play? Mm. I also need to read to you what Ginny Hu said that we need to think about tomorrow. Because I have a two o'clock phone call here. I got a, another VIP at two o'clock. And I got a VIP tomorrow at 145. I need to write this stuff down. Um, yes on the video? Um, checking it out. This is what Ginny Hu said. Can you see if you can do two things at once. I can also send you, you know what, I'll send you a screenshot of her tweet so you can think about it. Because I want to talk about this on tomorrow's show. We are now, gosh, we're so close to the election. An election that so many in this community are emotionally and physically vested in. I'm sending you the screenshot of Ginny's tweets, literally as we were hosting the show. Those are now on your phone. She says... I'm replaying Friday's show. Judah and Jerry, my husband and I, have opted out of the public school system for our three children. We've done this every year since 2011. We've never been asked why we have chosen to pull our kids out of the public school system. Dr. Bryce believes those of us who opt out of the system should be asked the question why. Dr. Bryce could have said the only systematic racism we have left in schools has been created, supported, and grown by our current school board, and she plans to change that. This was in response to the video that's circulating or the clip that's circulating that Dr. Bryce um, issued during an NAACP forum featuring Dr. Bryce and Allison Spillman. This clip is being taken out of context by Spillman supporters. I will say this. Dr. Bryce should have handled the answer differently. And if she had handled the answer differently, it would not be taken out of context now. It was a strategic error how she handled it. But nevertheless, that clip is being taken out of context by Allison Spillman's campaign. They're cherry-picking a portion of what was said, and utilizing it to her campaign's advantage. And unfortunately, that is called politics. Unfortunately, that is called politics. We saw Amy Lawford do that against Kellen Squire, where she cherry-picked Kellen Squire's blog post for years ago, from years ago, on abortion, and how years ago he wrote commentary that was cherry-picked basically saying women do not have the right to choose. He says, that's not what my intent was. We saw things taken out of context by Sally Hudson's campaign when it came to creed deeds and gun voting and gun rights and gun ownership, uh, um, a strategy that influenced creed deeds' daughter to speak on behalf of her father in an op-ed or a letter to the editor in the Daily Progress that was published. I've got it if you want. This race has turned into an absolute cluster duck. Quack, 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 quack. This is mudslinging of levels I have never seen before at the school board level. Good to see you. Stop talking. Oh, we're still on air. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Um, you got this commercial? Have you seen this yet? No. Dude, wait till you see this. 
This is a commercial being run right now by Allison Spillman's campaign against Meg Bryce. Do you have it? Please play it in three, two, one. Republican Meg Scalia Bryce doesn't want you to know that she pulled her kids out of our public schools and is backed by extremists who want to impose a far-right political agenda and whitewash history. We need to defeat Meg Scalia Bryce. Allison Spillman is a mom of five public school students who is committed to making school better for all kids. She'll bring parents and teachers together to protect our children from political extremists. Democrat. Mom. Allison Spillman for School Board. Dude, this is like every nasty trick possible in the book. Utilizing the word Republican and Democrat. Mm. Utilizing a doctored or edited photo with Donald Trump. Utilizing the book banning reference. Calling her a radical extremist. Utilizing the phrase politicizing education. This is literally like every tactic taken out of the mudslinging manual utilized in an Albemarle County school board race. Yeah. This is this is this is mudslinging 101. I am How would you characterize that? Agree with everything I just said? Yeah, it's pretty... It's pretty over the top. Over the top? I mean, it's the proof for anything that she... Uh, any of her statements in there? I suppose there doesn't need to be, right? What's that? I suppose there doesn't need to be proof in a what political What was the ad. take you had on the Trump picture? Uh, from what I've read, that was at the, uh, the swearing-in of her brother for some government post. And so she wasn't there supporting um, – she was there supporting her brother. And Trump happened to be there for the event. I, honestly, I don't know what it is, but, uh, but that was the take that I heard on it. 2023 politics, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk about that tomorrow. We'll talk about homeschooling parents and why they identify with the candidate Bryce. We broke some news for you about Johnny Ornalis and the world of Beer Spot. We wonder about the Sam Sanders press conference. I'm going to close the show by going to the Charlottesville government page now. I am typing in Charlottesville government. There's no mention of the presser. For Sam, for Mr. Sanders. Let's see if that comes up before city council. Council meeting starts in two hours and six minutes. Mr. DL, are you going to be speaking before council today? You are watching the program, Mr. DL. I very much encourage you to speak before council today, Mr. DL. And I'll leave it at that. I thought we were pretty darn good today. Judah Wickhauer, our producer. My name is Jerry Miller. This is the I Love Seville show, guys, on a Monday afternoon in downtown Charlottesville, Virginia. I'm going to go look at the camera outside our building, literally as we speak, the footage on the cloud. 
and now in our possession. So long, everybody.